Welcome to Still Talking Uncut. I'm your host, Big Easy. We're missing the co-host, Sean Rigsby. He's late. He'll be here. You know how it is. Don't call him Sean Late Rigsby for no reason. So um, <laughs> No show, Rigsby, whatever. My boy, Uncle Joey, uh, sitting in, special guest host, asked some questions yo, yo. That, that I don't think about to ask. Joined by my man. It's a pleasure to have you on again, this time for a full episode. I'm really looking forward to hearing you speak. My man, Curtis. Two-time master is still our contestant. Welcome to the show, brother. It's an honor and privilege to have you here. Thank you for having me, brother. It's a pleasure. So, you know, we always we always start the show. Uh, like I said, Sean will be here any minute. Yeah, we know how it goes. We keep rolling without him. <laughs> um, what you drinking on? What you drinking on over there, Curtis? Right now, it's a little shine in the root beer, believe it or not. I know it sounds nice. like an odd combination, but... If you get a hey. good, good solid liquor, got a nice little little cocktail. Hey man, there ain't there ain't no weird combinations as long as your palate enjoys it. Then it's the perfect combination. That's so, all that counts. No, ever ever let anybody talk you out of something. You enjoy the drink the way you like it. Do you? And that's what it's all about. So yes, sir. Uh, Uncle Joey, what you drinking? On? I, I I saw you finish a, a jar of. Uh, um, what was it, peach cobbler? A few minutes ago, yep. before the show, Uncle Joey was eating the uh, he was eating the peaches out of the bottom of the jar. That's <laughs> yeah, off the I, I don't eat the fruit, you know. I know what it does to me, and it ain't good things. So if you if you can eat the fruit, my man, <laughs> I I ate all four of them peaches, but yeah, uh, Phil Billy's got that recipe for that peach cobbler, and I followed it. Second time I've made it, man, it's a nice little drink, a nice little jar to sip on. I finished that. And then I brought down uh, one of my old favorites, man. My man Tucker down at Tuck and Rad's. His corn corn liquor is some of the best around that I've had so far. And uh, man, it's it's good to sip on. It's good to, like you said, Curtis. You get a good liquor, and you can buy almost put it in about anything, man. It, it makes yeah. a good drink. I, I tell you, when when I go up to Tuck and Reds in Yellow Springs, just like when I go down when I was down at Pat's Distillery in Bainbridge, man. When you try when you try what they make. It reminds you of something that you would make at home, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you know, everybody gets caught up in this. Oh, it ain't moonshine if you pay, if you pay taxes. Like, look, look, bro, man. Yeah. He made it just like I did. Yeah. And it reminds me a hell of a lot of what I make at home. Like, you know, have your stipulation, call it what you want. That's liquor, man. And and I, I really enjoy going to small places and and it's just like how you it reminds you of something you would make at home, you know, like like tux tux uh, clear corn liquor. And and even his peach cobbler, you know, it kind of reminds me of something I'd make at home, just like Paps knocking stiff. Oh, man, shout that's out what, Chris, yeah, that's what I'm drinking on, man. I can't get enough of his at that malt, that blue corn, man. That blue corn that he makes that knock him stiff with a high blue corn. Oh it's, yeah, you know, it, it's it's top top in my book. So you know, drink what you like, man. That's what it's all about. Oh, so out, Chris, yeah, that's what I'm drinking. So my son was just up from Alabama, and I sent him home with a jar of Paps's Blue Corn Knock'em Stiff. And I just talked to him on the phone tonight. He said, man, he said, I tell you, after all the, out of all them jars I brought home, he said, I, I go to that Knock'em Stiff a lot. So, yeah, it, it, that's a, it's, it's got a good taste, man. Uh, Chris does a hell of a job down there with that. Dude, blue Corn, man. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Blue Corn. <laughs> I love Blue Corn. I, I didn't know how Blue Corn yet. Uh, so, uh, shoot me your address, Curtis. I'll make that happen for you. There you go. Okay. Sounds good because I know uh, Blue Corn and Bloody Butcher is the next on my list to try. Yeah. See, I, I, I still got a little Bloody Butcher. Um, 
and Jimmy Red is almost gone for the season. <laughs> but I still got quite a bit of blue, uh, blue left. So shoot me, you know, shoot me your address and and okay. tell me how how big a mash you want to make. And you know, if you want to run something small and make you a little something, you know, you really like you really like that. I like that blue corn clear and straight. Um, the butcher and the Jimmy Red. I think it'd be a little better age. Okay. Um, to me, the the butcher's a little more earthy, so I'm intrigued to hear what you think about it. So, okay, I'm gonna have to have to run some. I know there's a local distillery that exclusively uses it, and unfortunately, I don't like their product line, so I'm kind of worried about it. Hmm. Well, you know, I thought uh, that was weird. Sometimes you gotta take what you make in and show them, and they might be like, "Damn, you know what." Right, you're right, man. This is how I want to do it. I got, <laughs> I got a buddy. I ain't dropping no names. Um, right, right. I got a know, friend. He, uh, you know, he took it. He took his jar, a jar into a distillery, and was like, you know, let dude try it. And he said, "This is how it should be done." And you know, now that now you know, he's got there's possibility that he he might be making liquor there. That's all it takes sometimes. Oh, don't don't know, be afraid. Uh, yeah. Don't be afraid, man. Don't be afraid to take your jar in the door and hand it to everybody. Like. I go to festivals. I'm like, here, 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 here. Try this, because eventually you never know. It might fall into the right hands, and somebody might yeah. love it enough and be like, "Bro, I want that on my shelf. Let's make it happen." Hell yeah! You know, I never thought about that. And I go to probably we have so many distilleries within an hour drive of me. I'm mm-hmm. probably at one every week. Well, correction, no, about every month. I've been to one Friday. Before that, I was at one four weeks before that. Curtis, before where are you at? I'm in Louisville, Louisville, nice, Kentucky. Nice. All right, so let's let's go on ahead and uh, that segue. We'll, we'll let Curtis talk about <laughs> himself here. <laughs> so yeah, uh, tell us uh, where you from? From Louisville, uh, Curtis. Um, All right. Wait. Yeah, from Louisville, Kentucky. Been um, making wine and shine. Well, I started off in the wine field, um, just making wine, and I've never been that much of a wine guy. The old lady was, and Finally got the cojones to buy a still because my number one thing was I was worried about the men in black knocking at the door after my still got delivered. <laughs> and, you know, after enough research and thinking, you know, I can go ahead and do this. And who am I? They're not looking at me for real. So I ordered a still and the rest is history. You see, my- so I've been stealing probably, I'd say, uh, about eight, nine years now. Nice. See, I, I went the opposite route. Me and my cousin was like, yeah, man, the hell with it. Get a still. We're going to make videos of us running it. So I went a different route immediately. <laughs> well, see, for me, I guess I was always camera shy because I've done so much work behind the camera. Mm-hmm. Then getting in front of the camera was nervous. I mean, I've done security and culinary all my life. and I've done a lot of security for a lot of big people. Nice. And so I've always been behind the camera to put me in front of the camera. I'm not used to that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it feels so wrong. <laughs> Understandable, you know, like little camera shy, not sure. Like we wasn't like we just said we didn't care, man. It's just like we're putting this out here for yeah. people. We want everybody to know how easy it is for you to make alcohol at home. So we just okay. you know, like, yeah. Like, like, we, yeah, we got we got tired of the snobs, you know, and and people saying it's it's hard, it's this hard. You got to do it like this. You got to have this. You got to have that. You got to have ten thousand dollars of equipment. And we was like, man, you don't. Yeah, I, I, you hear need, that, I hear that. You, a need, lot. you need a two hundred dollars still to get your feet wet. 
and like let's show everybody, let's show everybody how easy it is to do this. So, uh, well, your first steal, how big was it? <laughs> My first steal was a uh, a little knockoff five gallon steel, no Amen. thumper, just a straight five gallon pot steel, stainless. It, didn't have a liquor it, copper in it. It's the one that uh, I've seen on Master Stiller that you showed. They showed that, video of that's you running. Exact- hey, man. <laughs> I love no that crap, little steel. That is the steel that I bought, and look where it took me. Did it make liquor? Oh, yeah. You know, it got, Mason, like, Mason like you said, man, that little steel, five gallons, you know, just a stainless pot with a worm sitting on top of it, got you, it. Got you started, you know, and it's all it takes. You fell in love with it. So, you know, what, what was the first mash you made in that thing? The first mash was a whiskey mash, and I'm so hurt that – I couldn't do it on Master Distiller because I burnt my mash, but it was a traditional uh, Kentucky bourbon, but I finished it off with uh, pineapples and papaya, so it gave it a, a tropical feel to it. Unfortunately, right. I burnt my mash, and I didn't get to showcase that part of it, but my first mash, I'm still chasing a high. Yeah, nice. always, you know, that first strip, you sampling. You're like, oh god! It, this, this it was so amazing. smooth and so high proof that I'm like, I gotta do that again. <laughs> you got, got to do it again, man. It, it, it reminds like you go to a restaurant for the first time and they got something amazing. You get that cheeseburger and you just think about that cheeseburger for weeks, and then you go back, it's not the same. You're always right. chasing that dragon, and it ain't never the same. You're never as satisfied as the first time. I would imagine it. it's kind of like drugs, you know, uh, <laughs> but it's different. You know, it's a lot safer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um how long did you have that um your we'll call it your start oh, i still story. got it well, well i figured you still had it like uh, how long before you moved up to the next size and what size did you move up to oh god after master distiller <laughs> i ran that thing so i couldn't run it no more um after master distiller i was thinking okay well i might be going somewhere with this so it may be time to upgrade mm-hmm. and from there i reached out to a couple people and had a gentleman build me a 30-gallon. Copper. So I went from a uh, five-gallon stainless to a 30-gallon copper with a uh, five-gallon thumper. Um, Still have that. Built me a uh, keg still because I wanted something easy to clean. Copper is nice, but I'm not really a copper maintenance guy. Yeah. So when I got me a uh, keg, up and now recently I found a uh, eight gallon that I could do some test runs on because my five gallon I gave to a friend of mine. You talking about kegs? Uh, no, the, I, have, I have my keg, but then I went out. Okay. I found an eight gallon, so okay. I have an eight gallon stainless, a uh, copper stainless, or excuse me, eight gallon stainless, a uh, the beer keg is stainless, of course, and then yeah. a uh, a uh, thirty gallon copper. Nice. You got every level, you know. You got your RG all the way up. Trying to work my way up to 120. Hey, man. <laughs> talking my language that, out there, Curtis. That, that, Curtis. That's the end goal. Curtis just spoke to my heart. You know, you think 100 plus, <laughs> man. Like, I got, you know, I was fortunate enough to run 100. I was fortunate enough to be around, you know, seeing in the area of something bigger running. So, you know, once. <laughs> Once you go big, man, you just you can't. It's hard, man. It's hard to go back. Like, like I got a little. Well, for me, I, I don't have the power to run a hundred. Yeah, two jet burners to run a hundred. 
Yeah, but then I need a hundred pound uh, propane tank. FYI, you know. You can't, you can't, you can't run a hundred gallon steel on a thirty on a on a little thirty gallon propane tank. I don't think that's gonna work. Hey, you can, you can. So, oh, so you, only, oh, really? All right, so you get two thirty gallon tanks, two jet burners. Once your steel gets up to temp, you're cutting one of them off anyway. And you're running it off the other one. And if your tank freezes, okay. you, you got ones. You fire the other one up to let one defrost. And yeah, I've, mm. I've been there. You know, so okay. yeah, you, you could definitely do it on two, but make sure you got a backup or two. But yeah, it, it'll get you to a whole run. Thirty pounds, if you, if oh. you, I mean, depend upon how you run it. You know, if you run it like I do, like me and Sean did, then that a two thirty pound tanks will get you run a hundred gallons still, no problem. So I have to look into that. <laughs> Just so you know, a little FYI, that, that's been my only holdup. I was like, in order for me to do electric. I got to get a new service panel put in. I'm not ready for that. If I go propane, how big of a freaking burner do I need? So two, now that I know two, how to run it. $200 a piece, dual head jet burners off Amazon, 230-pound propane tanks, and you'll you'll run that 100 I don't know. Sale, I got a store locally that is beating Amazon prices on jet burners. Oh, yeah? Well, I don't need one, but anybody needs a jet burner, give it Curtis. He got you. I mean, they had one. It was a uh, 150 BTU. It was a hundred dollars cheaper than Amazon. Nice. And I'm like, yo, this is something right here. Oh, look at oh, this! Hey, hey, hey. Oh, look who joins us! Oh, on the phone. <laughs> right nice. on time. Right on time. Hey, Curtis, real quick. I hear these guys talk about uh, a lot about their stills on your stainless stills. Is it all stainless, or you got stainless in, with copper lines? Uh, let me see. On the new one, I have the eight gallon. There's a little bit of copper in there, not enough to talk about. The lines are so small and so short. But on my pro, on my uh, uh, keg, I have the column stuffed with two rolls of copper. So I also heard you talk about your first still didn't have a thumper, and your second still had a thumper. Uh, which do you prefer, no thumper, thumper? Do you notice that big of a difference? Good question. Honestly, I didn't run the the the, uh, the thumper on the copper just because I wanted to run it as a pot still because that's what I'm used to. Figured, let me work my way up to it. Right, but you're used I didn't to, really right. notice too much of a difference except my proof stayed higher longer, and when it dropped, it tanked. Mm -hmm. My pot still, when it went when it went down, it stepped down in increments. Mm -hmm. But my uh, but. Then it's here. There, there was there wasn't a gradual downfall. It was just you jump off a cliff. Here's your proof <laughs> at 120. You're at 80. Time to throw it away. Yep, yep. That's yep, what yep. I noticed with the thumper. Have you run any jar setups or or uh, columns? With no, I'm I'm on the fence if I want to build one yet. I'm, you do build you one, man. You'll be glad you did. And uh, if it wasn't for if this weekend I got to take my son to a UofL game. If it wasn't for that, that's what my plans was to build a build a thumper. But then he said he wanted to go to the game, so you know and how that goes. Family time first, man. You only got them just so long. You enjoy every second of that. Absolutely, that's it. And that's the way it goes. So, uh, yeah, wait till you wait till you build some jars, and you'll be, you think it drops fast with just a thumper. <laughs> yeah, it'll ride high forever, and then all of a sudden it just tanks. 
Yeah. I mean, it'll then, go from like 170 to 90 and like half a gallon. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> a of those, I guess I'm just impatient. It takes forever to heat those bad boys up. My pot, it'll get the temp quick. <laughs> that carry over the thumper. Yeah, I could take a nap doing that. Hey, you just, I, you know, turn it up. <laughs> I, I like Sean's screen better black. You can stay around, Sean. Just keep your <laughs> keep your face off there. So, so let me get another quick question then before Sean joins us. I heard you say beer and wine. Uh, which did you start first, beer or wine, or was it both at the same time? You made them both. I tried making a little bit of beer, and I'm not a beer drinker. Only beers I like are dark beers. Me too. Me uh, too. Like the oatmeal stouts. Oh Guinness, yeah, you're speaking my like language. Hell yeah. Uh, let me see. Oatmeal stout, dark Guinness style beers. Really, that's about it. Um, so making those, I was okay at. I make a mean oatmeal stout. I make a horrible Guinness knockoff. But wines. <laughs> I, I do some pretty pretty fancy wines, I think. Nice. nice. Hey, you know, if that's where you start, man, you start making beer or wine, that's the hard part. You get that part down, throw, throw it in a still. That's the easy part after that, you know. You, no, you, wine's easy, brother. Well, I'm just saying, like, just distilling, you know, like making a good wine isn't real easy, you know. like. Well, so what's your yeah. definition of good? <laughs> well, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, something you can drink. A, yeah, something drinkable, and you're like, ah. Uh, if, if, if if you can drink it and it gets you there within a bottle, that's good to me. Yeah. You know, like sometimes when you make homemade wine, uh, it can get that homemade taste to it. And that's what I don't like about homemade wine. So when somebody hands it to me and they've taken that, gotten all that homemade ferment out of it, that homemade ferment okay. flavor that, that you get, then to me, when that that that's the difference between just a homemade wine and a really good homemade wine is when you can get that, that – homemade ferment taste out of it gotcha like not all of it and you, you you expect a little bit of it you know it's going to be there but like i've had some really good homemade wines and it's just like this could be on a shelf you know <laughs> this could be on a I, shelf honestly, so. i think that comes from time though because if i make a homemade wine it's going to be minimum five six months before i bottle it yep and, and i, I think that's what it is because i know a lot of people they'll make wine two months i have it done I'm like, mm, you gotta let that sit and mellow out. Yep. What time? What's your go-to wine, Curtis? What's your favorite wine to make? Yeah. What's your favorite wine to make? And I hope to try it. Oh, yeah. It's gonna yeah, be a, my next a, one. A, when can we get some? But it, now you know it's funny because I just bought up two cases of um, apple wine last night. Nice apple wine. So, is. <laughs> um, but apple wine and sangria. Those are my two. Nice. Oh, you yeah. ever you ever add a little corn sugar to your apple wine and make it into a hard cider? I was thinking about that last night because I was at the yep. brew store. Right in the bottle, man. Account. Just a little bit I of corn sugar in that bottle. And dude, it'll be so fizzy and delicious. Like ne next time you do it, just a few bottles and see what you think. Like, well, I oh, still man. got another I made a total of God bless it, seven, probably. 14 gallons. So I still have two cases to bottle up. Yeah, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'd hard cider some of them. Where I'm thinking gotta, about it. We got to make a run to uh, Curtis's, Jason. Hey, grab, listen. Grab, Sarge, grab Sean. Let's ride. 
Listen, where my far. son lives, where my son lives in Alabama, Louisville is almost a halfway. So we're yeah. actually in we're actually in Louisville quite often. One of these times when I get down there, Curtis, I love to maybe have lunch, have dinner, have a drink, man. I'd love to sit down with you sometime, man. Just hit me up and let me know when you're on your way and, and we can make it happen. <laughs> all right, awesome, dude. I'll man. let you know on that. Hell yeah. I appreciate that. That's cool. I was fortunate to have all these apples because we have three apples at on the property at work. Three apple yeah. trees, and they're like, "What are we gonna do with all these apples?" Because groundhogs kept coming on the property, and you know, messing with people's dogs, yeah. messing with the kids. It's like, "What are we gonna do with these apples?" I was like, "Well, I know what to do with them." <laughs> well, I went the Forrest Gump round. I went apple pie, apple shine, apple butter, apple yeah. this. Might I was well, like, "We can man. do all that," and sure enough, hey, we, I made when, when apples are free, you can use all apples to make your mash. I must have made a good three gallons of apple butter. And that's a lot of freaking apples when you do an apple one. But apple butter, I came up with, uh, let me see. I got 47 gallons of apple rye I got to run. Let's see. What did I come up with? Apple butter. I made a 47-gallon batch of apple rye I got to run. Apple rye. I got some corn rye. No, no. When and you did your oh, no. the, the when when you did your apple rye, did you ferment your apples and your rye together, or did you or you ferment them separately and then combine them in in your pot? No, I I had them together. Nice. It, everybody so, does that differently. And I'm intrigued. Like I'm really? a ferment. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people they'll ferment their apples, they'll ferment their rye, or some people if they're doing a mountain brandy, they'll ferment their corn, they'll ferment their pears or whatever fruit they're using, and then they'll. They'll um, they'll combine them into their pot and run them like that, and you get some people like you and me. Okay, I mean, I mash different. it all together. I let it all mix. Let it all mix. It's like a salad. It's like a seven layer salad. You got to let it sit overnight in the right. fridge. It's gonna taste a lot better the next day. <laughs> well, see, so, I did a two step ferment. I let the apples work off on by themselves for a good week or so. Nice. And then uh, mash them all up. Hit them with the burr mixer. Got those goods going good with the uh, daddies. And then I came back with my rye and added that and restarted everything again. Nice. So, really I, get that I did that long. mainly just as an experiment to see what happens. Those yeah, apples pull. are getting a nice long ferment. Yeah, yeah. nice long right. ferment. More flavor, so, more breakdown. That's my question. So, I don't make liquor. I just have consumed this delicious corn and all this <laughs> stuff you guys make, but I will. I, I just had a conversation with my wife. We will run, but uh, that the longer you ferment, is that what's that giving you? Uh, flavor? Is it giving more, you more flavor, more alcohol? It gives you more depth of flavor. Okay. Okay. Think, think of it like when you make a stew, soup or a stew, how yeah. it's okay that first day, but the second or third day is so much better. Right. Chili, your chili better day three. Yes, okay, okay. Yeah, and then it's the same concept. You get some people who, when their mash is done fermenting, they'll let it sit until it's crystal clear like a wine. You let it degas, they let it clarify, and then you get some people they're just like, "Nah, man, it's done fermenting. She's ready." You know, and and, you know, and both ways are awesome, and they each one's got a different flavor, and it's all about that person to each their own. You know, (laughs) so it's it's really cool. And that, yeah. If, if you're doing a, uh, a turbo yeast, letting it clear like that, that's probably the best thing you can do for that. 
Yeah. I've never worked with turbo yeast. I've heard it leaves some funky flavors. So I've never worked it with up. it either, just because everything you hear about it, it, it's fast. You know what I'm saying? It's fast, and and you know, I'm I'm a believer in three things, man. You got you know you got fast, good, and cheap. Can't have three. You only have two. So. <laughs> so I watch a lot of these guys' podcasts, and I hear them talk about. We'll get on that conversation, that yeast conversation. Uh, what kind of yeast do you use there? That's a good question. It depends on what I'm making. Uh, okay. I'm not loyal to any yeast. Now, I do keep, uh, let me see. If you look at my refrigerator, I'm always going to have angel yeast, and I'm always going to have uh, dates. But what do you, what do you I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. What do you use your angel yeast for? If I'm making something out the box. Nice. Because I know angel will eat through whatever. So... If I'm making like a sweet potato mash or something like that, I'm going to use angels because I know I don't have to cook them off. I can chop them up fine, let them soak overnight, throw the angel in there, and this is just going to go go to town on it. Uh, if I'm making an oddball fruit, like a mixed fruit, where there's no particular flavor I'm trying to get out of it, just uh, in general, like fruit punch flavor, I'll use angel. Deities mainly for my grains and... Depends on what wines or what brandies I'm trying to make. Then I'll go to like the EC 111s, the uh, they have some cider yeast out there that has some good flavors. So I'm I'm all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Every yeast is something for something different, especially like talking about if you're making wine, you don't want to use distiller's yeast in your wine. It's gonna taste like shit. You know, like like I would never bottle like I use bread yeast on my fruit. You know, a lot of people don't, but I would never bottle that wine and drink it because it don't taste too well. It's not drinking wine when you use bread yeast. It's distilling wine. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a little harsh. Yes. So you like if I was to make a, a wine, I would use like a 71B or an EC1118 like he was talking about. We are so blessed nowadays with all the different um, strains of yeast. Like There's a strain of yeast to do anything and everything you can think of. And you're not sure? Right. Look it up. Look it up on Google, man, and be like, "Oh, what is the best yeah. yeast to make this?" And there'll be a bunch of different it's just strands, and you can get anything you want now. It used to be, you know, it's like, "Oh, well, my grandpappy's had this strain that he developed in the woods back in you know prohibition time. We've been using this same yeast forever because you couldn't. It wasn't like that, you know. It wasn't you could just hop on Amazon and get yeast delivered to your door. So, like I talk about it all the time, we're living in a renaissance and 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 an explosion of moonshine. It's amazing for the home distiller nowadays at what is what is uh, so readily available to everybody. I want to try to get into saving some of my old yeast. That's what I'm that's my next adventure is saving the yeast, washing it, trying to reuse it if I get a good run. But from what I've seen, I don't know if I want to get into all that extra work. I'm a little it's, bit it's my man. Like it, it's too, it's too simple just to buy a, a thing of yeast and from Rural King for four or five bucks. And like, yeah, I'm good to go. I don't have to, yeah. have to guard. I have to cool, keep it cool. I have to reactivate it. But you know, it's something cool that you know you get getting later on down the line. You could be like, I want to try this, and you can't. You know, so go ahead and do it. And then well, let me my, know how my biggest thing is, <laughs> I want to try it now. So if I do ever get the joys of opening my own distillery, I've already done all my R&D. Yeah. Versus doing that now. I got to pay the bills. I want to experiment. Nah, that's that's not a good time to experiment. Nope, not at all. 
So, um, you went on Master Distiller. Um, you was on the uh, World War of Whiskey. Yes, sir. And um, you, and that's what. Uh, so, is that what you say that you specialize in? Is like a bourbon, a whiskey bourbon, or or do you have a, anything that you would say like, man, this is what I really like to do, and this is what I pride myself in doing really well. Honestly, being a uh... I can't say Kentucky born and raised, but Kentucky born and bred, uh, that's pretty much my go-to is I'm always going to do a corn and uh, corn and grain mash, whether it's corn and barley, corn and rye, uh, corn and somebody, but it's always 90% of what I do is a, is a corn build. Yeah. And then I'm going to age it on either oak or – I've tried some other woods, but oak is pretty much French oak and American oak are my go-tos. Yep. So it's, it's I'm, hard. I'm it's hard to beat those two, man. Out. Tried and true. Um, no, what What do you think the uh, the flavor difference is between the French and the American oak? Oh, uh, I haven't ran anything on the French oak in a while. Okay. It's probably been two years, but. <laughs> The French oak to me was just a little bit harsher, had more more bite to it. Yeah. I was doing the exact same mash bills. I was taking two stays, one of French, one of American. Mm -hmm. And the color difference uh, was slight, but it seemed like the French always had a little bit of scratch going down. Mm -hmm. But I, the I think American was just I, yeah. I think the American gives it that more vanilla, more vanilla finish. Than the French does, which which I think calms it down and really tones down that back bite. Um, but now, did you did you toast yours or did you char them? They were uh, it's however they came, you know. Went with okay. the spirals, you know. They were probably toasted. I imagine they were toasted. That's yeah, they probably. To, I was yeah. about to ask you, Curtis. Do you prefer toast or char? And uh, if you do char, is there a level? Do you a light char, medium char, heavy char? Um, I can't tell you the level because when you're in the backyard with the map gas torch, <laughs> right. you, you get right. what you get. You measure with your heart, whatever the heart says it is. It's like, I don't know. It's charred. That, that's it. <laughs> um, it's charred. <laughs> now, my, my bags of chips or my staves, they, they, they come and they say they're toasted or light toasted, but I still stick them. I got a toaster oven in, uh, in the garage, found it the hard way. Do that shit in the garage. Uh, I'll toast them for oh, to tell, tell us how you found, found out the hard way. These are the stories well, we want to yeah, hear. Yeah, yeah, you let us there. You let I us there. <laughs> I, I, I talk I about me dumping for... 20 gallons of mash everywhere in the living room all the time. So oh, that's, always, that's yeah, classic. <laughs> well, uh, I had a, a I believe a five gallon, five pound bag of uh oak chips, okay, in the oven, 400 degrees. Just sitting there, just relaxing, having a good old time. When I open the door, that rush of oxygen, as I grab that pot, they all start to set on fire. Oh, backdraft. And now I'm trying to get out of the kitchen, through the dining room, out the back door. Oh, yeah, there's guests on the back porch. What are you doing <laughs> with a pan on fire, running around towards people with alcohol on their hands? Yeah, it, it was it was a time. So that's amazing. After that, I was like a toaster oven, but in the but garage. Did you burn your house down or hurt anybody? 
No, but I was trying to explain to everybody why success. You know, inside the house smelled like a barbecue, and there was no barbecue lit outside. Well, it now, probably, I, smelled, it probably I smelled for a little while. Yeah, I, I would be upset if I yeah. came over and it smelled like barbecue, and there was no barbecue. So, yeah, hey, you they know just need so a fire no barbecue. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great story. Hell yeah. Yeah, no ladies. Yeah, I'm not in the house no more. I do everything in the garage. Yeah, get you a $20 toaster oven and get out of here. $20 <laughs> toaster oven? $5 toaster oven from the flea market. There you go. You're going to burn them up. So now, I'm wondering how well you could toast in an air fryer. Like, do air fryers toast? I don't see why they wouldn't. Yeah, somebody, somebody, uh, Toast some chips in an air fryer and get back to me. Let me know how it works. Well, I mean, honestly, an uh, air fryer is just a toaster of a 2.0. Yeah. It, it's, it, it, it gets hot as all get out immediately. It just has a fan. I didn't say yeah. it's a convection toaster oven. So I don't see why I wouldn't. I don't know. Somebody make a video and tag me in it, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do it. That's why. I'm just throwing out <laughs> ideas that I want to see that I don't want to do. Like, right? Like, okay. I can imagine what would happen if I used the air fryer on the counter to do it, and you know, hey, you back, know, I backdraft it. <laughs> it, it, it. It's possible. I'm so thinking about trying it this weekend. It's like you know, if I take right. it out to to the garage, yeah, hey, it's all the air fryer, and then everything you make after that might have a nice little smoky flavor to it. Oh my my uh, my air fryer is already food bar. Oh, uh, so there you go, man. It's all good. I mean, I, I burnt, I burnt out the high limit switch on, it and and uh, will be a proper word for it. Found a workaround for that high limit switch. Hey, the man, workaround. You always got to have a workaround. Hey, you got to do what That's you got to do, man. That's that redneckery. It gets you by. So, hey, I'm in Kentucky. What you expect? Hey, anything else would be uncivilized. Hey, you know, in, ingenuity, man. Ingenuity. That's what it's all about. We get it done. We get it done. It. So if people so, look, if you do something and somebody look at you like, dude, are you serious? You did a good job. So, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's, that's what I go that's for. That's a badge of honor when they say, I thought it was going to blow up. Yeah. Yes. And then it works. And they're like, holy crap. I yeah. cannot believe that. So it's a, that's awesome. Wow. So do you, do you like to, do you enjoy drinking bourbon, Curtis? Is that something you enjoy sipping on yourself? I want to say yes, but after Friday, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Friday, I was asked to come along on a uh, Stitzel Weller's distillery tour. Okay. And at the end of the tour, they had a tasting. Well, the one that everybody said sucked is the only one I liked. They had it's a Weller's your Rye. It's your palate. Absolutely. It's your palate, right. man. They have a Weller's Rye, and it had no bite to it. It was really smooth. Had no legs to it whatsoever. It was just, it was a really light bourbon where it just hit your tongue, and it's gone. And everybody hated it because of that. All the other ones with the long legs, oh, this is great. This is, like, this is trash. <laughs> Excuse me. So I enjoy bourbon. Uh, excuse me. It's just. I'm not a uh, traditional bourbon fan, I, I guess I could say. So you're more of a uh, probably a younger bourbon. You know, it's probably yes. some of the age, some of the barrel that you don't like. So those were probably some more of the aged bourbons. 
I'm guessing if you were on a tasting at the end of a tour, they were probably giving you some of their, you know, top, some of their topper tier, top tier bourbons, maybe. So, you know, being a, a moonshine guy, you guys don't really, you rapid age or, or young, you don't age very long. So that's probably more your palate. You're probably, that's probably what you're more accustomed. And I, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe I'm just a 10 year and under guy. And it might even be less than that. It might be yeah. four year. You know what I mean? Hey, I've hey, had some, I've had some really good solid four year bourbons that are just they're they're right there. They hit you in a real good spot. Okay. You know it could it could also be you know you're a home distiller. You you're you're yeah. at home making yeah. stuff for you, the way you like right. it. You know you're 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 aging to where exactly you want it to be, even if it is rapid aging or or however you're doing it. You know so. I think maybe your palate is a little bit more advanced than the, you know, another person's palate who just tastes bourbon. You know, they're used to tasting, they're not used to making for themselves. So, uh, you know, I can see how it happens as a home distiller, man, you make so much stuff and you're for your yeah. palate. When you go places, it's hard to taste um, alcohols, uh, mass produced alcohols. You know, like when you go, like when you go into a small distillery, it's more what you like. You're like, dude, this is more like what I make at home. It's small. It, yeah. And, and it's small batch, you know, like small batch right. is where it's at. And in a small distillery, everything's small batch. <laughs> so, it, it's yeah, kind of funny yeah, you Chris, say that. Fired, Sean. That, that, that distillery out of Columbus, that high bank distillery. And, you know, a lot of the ones I've tried, a lot of them have the younger bourbons. And like you said, they're more smaller craft. And I tell you what, I've had some really damn good bourbon out of those places. So here lately, most of the bottles that I've bought have been these Ohio craft distilleries. And like I said, they make a damn good product. And like it's mostly two, four, you know, maybe six year tops. It's not a really an aged bourbon. So I think that's, you know, that's a, a good solid drink. It, it's got a good proof. It's got a good barrel age. I don't know. I, I kind of I'm, I'm finding over the, my time. I'm kind of drawn to those myself. I might have to come and do the Ohio tour. Hey, listen, if you <laughs> get a chance over, to get man. your hands on them, if you get it, get your chance, uh, High Bank Distillery, and I believe, uh, man, there was another one that we did on the podcast. It's really good. Uh, they're out of Columbus. Check them out, man. Columbus is putting out some really good bourbons. Okay, so now here's a question for Ohio. Where, what's my first, second, third stop? Cincinnati, Columbus, or Dayton for – Distillery tours. Paps. Go stop at Paps in Bainbridge. Man, you gotta go to Bainbridge. Man. Go check out Paps Hilltop in Bainbridge, Ohio. And if you're on your way yeah, up, what's, you might want to Bainbridge near. It's in uh, South Well, it, you it, might want to come up through Ripley and go see Doug Taylor at Northern Yankee also. Yep. 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 So you come you come up uh right like on the point, you know, the point of Ohio. Okay. Um you come up through there, you can stop at Ripley, you can see Doug Taylor, you could go from there, you could uh you could stop in Bainbridge. And then from there, you can shoot up to Dayton, and you could go to Day Dayton Barrel Works, to Bella Dayton, Tuck and Reds. It's right around the Tuck corner. Tuck and Reds is in Yellow Springs. Uh, uh, yep. We got I Indian Creek right there in Huber Heights. Within 30 minutes of each other, we could go to about six different really nice distilleries here in Ohio. Because okay. I'm thinking I can just come up there and make a weekend of it, go to one Friday, one Saturday, one Sunday, and come home. Hey, I'm having – I'm having a birthday party on October 14th, and it's the second annual Moonshiners Bash and Ball. So anybody wants to come, man, you're more than welcome. We will be in Ohio. Moonshiners Fashion Ball? No, no, no. Bash. It's a oh, fashion ball. Oh, I thought she said fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't going to be no fashion. 
Okay, yeah. I just had to clarify that. <laughs> every every it's an it's an overall event. You got to wear overalls. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Just well, Curtis, let uh, me tell you what. I'm sure Big Easy feels the same way. You come up to this neck in the woods, you better hit us up, man. We, uh, we'll, we'll gladly take you any place you want to go. Yeah, I'm holding you to it. So uh, last year, uh, my buddy Hooch and Bennett, uh, they came up from North Carolina, West Virginia, for my party. And before the party, I took them out to uh, Indian Creek, real beautiful. Um, they got the two old, two of the oldest pot stills in America running there. Oh wow, it's okay. beautiful. You walk in there, they drain their water right into the floor in front of you. He tells you how he does his run. When he does his run, he uses uh, butter and his pot. And when he does his stripping run, and when he does his spirit run, he uses ash to collect all the impurities out of it. It's wild, man. It's a, it's a beautiful place out there. Okay. And I know he just built a big old tasting room out there. And like it is literally 15 minutes from where I'm at. And then for me, 15 minutes from, or 30 minutes for me is uh, Tucking Reds. And then, like I said, you go downtown Dayton. You got Dayton Barrel Works. Um, Bella Dayton. Then ten minutes from them, you have you got the Hall Brothers. Um, and he's not Sean knows all about the Hall Brothers right there in Dayton. There's just so many of them around here. It's and, that, and that's just when you get in the Dayton area. Well, so, I'm definitely have to check them out because I used to I used to run through Dayton a lot. Good lord. Yeah, I'm I'm right seventy seventy five right where they meet. That's where I'm at. So okay. And, Oh, Uncle Joey and Sean and all them, they're 30 minutes east. Yeah, we're not far. Or west or whatever way, yeah, west, east, whatever way they are. <laughs> <laughs> they're about down the road. Yeah, I'm going to definitely have to come up there because I've been looking. All the, all the tours in Kentucky are the same, and everybody's set up pretty much the same. Yeah. So <laughs> for me, I'm using this R&D. It's like if I can get op open up a distillery, who do I want to be like, or what inspiration do I want? How do I, how do I want to do it? Man, right. it, listen, we I've hit on this a bunch. I came from a bourbon podcast, Curtis, and I've been on a lot of bourbon tours, and they're cookie cutter, man. I don't, I, you don't feel any kind of connection with any of these yeah. people on these tours, and most of those people's giving you this info have never distilled a drop of liquor in their life themselves. Right. So. They're just reading you what the script they've been given tells them to read you. Yeah. Not that that's a bad thing. I don't want to think I'm getting any giving them any hate. But when I've been to Chris's down at Paps or been back with Tucker at Tuck and Reds, man, he takes you in the back. He he explains it to you. He'll tell you he'll open up his his barrel of mash and get your head down in there and smell your mash. And you know it's a completely different experience going and and sitting with these moonshiners. Mm. They'll let you get back in there right where the magic happens, where everything they do. And all the love they put into it, they let you come right back here and stand right where they stand. And that's right. what to me opened up my heart to just, I fell in love with just the passion that they're so willing to share with everybody. So uh, you definitely, if you're coming up this way, uh, Doug, Chris, and Tucker are three that you definitely should stop into, man, for mm -hmm. real. Yeah. Okay. And, and if, if you want history, then you, you got to you gotta check out Indian Creek. And I've heard a lot of good things about Dayton Barrel Works. Uh, uh, Sean yeah. and uh, Ian's talked a little bit, but a lot of good things about that place. It's beautiful. It's beautiful down there too. They got a. They're. Uh, I tell you, at Dayton Barrel Works, they're a bartender. Bartenders are very knowledgeable and will just talk alcohol with you and how they make their liqueurs and they make everything in house right there. And it, it was, it was amazing to hear somebody as passionate that behind the bar making your drink it was it was pretty awesome so but that sounds like I, the place to be 
Um, when you was on, so you, uh, you was on Master Distiller first time for the uh, the, and you made a Kentucky style bourbon, and it, that didn't go so well. Yeah, he he got a little hot on on the mash. Happens to all of us. Um, and it, but you got to come back again, and you competed in the um, team digger versus team Tim, uh, outlaw versus legal, right? Correct. Nice. And um, so it was you and five other contestants on there. Yes, sir. And uh, what did um, how did that show go? Like, what did you guys do? Did you make your own mash? Did they give you a house mash? That one was. Uh... How crazy was it with five other contestants there it's all at the same time? Well, that was a brotherhood because we're all coming from a liquor background. We have mm-hmm. three uh, three very eclectic uh, distillers, <laughs> and then you have three very different <laughs> moonshiners. Yes. But yes. the way the show was set up, there was a lot of stuff that was supposed to happen that changed. So I, I went in with the game plan for A, B, and C. But when we got there, okay, guys, we have a change of plans. All right, no problem. <laughs> then when they hit us with the change of plans, I was like, oh, snap. You just messed up my whole game plan, yeah. my whole train of thought I had on how I was going to you know, navigate that show had to change overnight. Uh, we ran a house smash, but we weren't supposed to run a house smash. So with that house smash, um, we all ran that. We all had the exact same still. And then from there, we went to the rapid aging. And the points that we were looking for, we weren't initially looking for a certain proof. They were going for something else. They hit us with a proof when we walked on set. It was like, how the hell do you give a certain proof? And so it was was interesting. But it, it was a good experience because I met some more people, networked some more, and learned what I didn't know again. Yeah. So my question is how many times did you shake that jar? How many times did you <laughs> shake that jar? <laughs> I, I watched Bro, the, I, I watched both your episodes right before we came on because there wasn't you know I was I wanted a little background. Um let, let, and... let me tell you <laughs> it it was like a shake weight commercial. You saw me in there because <laughs> I I'm just reading that bubble like this that bubble with my life. If I got the bubble wrong, right, I was and out then, of there. And then when uh, you put your wood in there to rapid agent, it, back to shaking, shake, 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 yeah, shake, shake, shake. It, it it's amazing. A lot of people on the internet, they think it's scripted and it's not real. You really don't have four hours. She, <laughs> you got you got four hours, and you know, like, dude. Like if if the first time you was there surrounded by two great distillers, then the next time you're there surrounded by five great distillers. Well, no, know? here, and, check this out, brother. I'm next to Chris. I I'm not gonna butcher his name, but the winner of of the first episode, uh, Chris in Saskatchewan, New York, or Saskatchewan, New York. He owns a last last shot distiller. I'm next to a guy that owns and operates his own distillery. Next to him is a young lady that was running Corsair Distillery out of Nashville. And here I'm, some guy out of Kentucky in his garage with a five-gallon pot still. You know how small I feel? 
Humbly. Humble. It's oh, humbly. and I'm sitting here like, first of all, don't screw up because you're up in Kentucky, the home of bourbon. So you can't screw up because of that. And then second of all, dude, you're in a five-gallon still next to Mr. Miyagi and yeah. a girl that's over here making tons of liquor, and you got a homemade still. Oh, you talk about brother feeling small. Yeah, uh, uh, Kelly, is that who? Is that who uh, was running beside you? I can't remember. What was that? Was it Kelly? Uh, no, Laura. No, uh, Laura. okay. I'm terrible with names. I don't know why I tried. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> Kelly. She, she was on. You, Kelly was on the uh, Team Digger versus Team Mark. Okay. It was on the Outlaw side. What was it? Season four, episode one was the outlaw versus uh, legals. Okay. And that was the outlaw team was myself, Curtis Wycliffe, Frank Hicks out of Texas, and Kelly. God, what is Kelly's name? Don't don't hurt me, Kelly. I, I forgot your last name. But Black she's out Ross. of uh, <laughs> she's out of Frankfort, Kentucky. So she's a local girl, also. Yeah, the, I, uh, I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed that little tournament, you know, seeing the legals and, and versus the outlaws, and and uh, you know when when they threw you curveballs like they did, do yeah. you think that was a little bit easier for the the outlaws to deal with than the legal because it's something that you deal with all the time? Right? You know, how do, we, how do I make with, this out of that? We deal with curveballs all the time, and the legal guys, they're working behind a computer screen or they're working behind a lot larger vats. But with them, everything's in a controlled environment. So it's a little bit easier. They don't have hiccups because their setup their setup is set up for no problems. Yeah. But for us, that's problems are part of our everyday life. Every run's a hiccup. There's a hiccup with every run. Whether exactly. I'm, I'm spilling mash in the floor or you know, I gotta swap the tank halfway through, or just there's, yeah, there's always, there. always stuff, man. I dump mash in the living room, I gotta sleep on the couch. Or it's sticky. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter, you know. You, you about catch your 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 oven on fire. Your shit happens, you know. It's, it's yeah, definitely. But yeah, curveballs for the outlaws are, are I would say a lot easier to handle. Nice. Now, in your two in your two trips to master distiller, did you learn more about distilling than you ever learned on your own, or 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 did it really really help take um, your uh, distilling to the next level because of all the information you gained. It took my distilling to the next level the first time from all I learned. Mm-hmm. And from there, I was off to the races. Nice. Um, I guess I need to watch my first episode and I can tell you break down as far as minute to minute, the old crap moments. <laughs> like, see a look on my face? It was right then I knew. <laughs> but see, when I'm stirring that pot, I could tell you exactly when I smelt that first burnt char and mm-hmm. I knew it was game over. And then I went into survival mode. How do I fix it? Yeah. Because I'm not going to get on TV and quit. No, 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 no. Right. Last thing, you're not going to call me a thief. You're not going to call me a quitter. Two things you can't call me. Hey, you can call me a lot of stuff, but you can't call me those two. It don't matter if it, if you're at home. You're still not quitting. The national TV exactly. is different. You know, you're going right. to be you and you're going to do what you're going to do and you're going to be who you are. And you're gonna yeah. fight till the end. You're gonna f- try this, try that, and you know. Oh, I, I was and, trying to save that something terrible. And, I, I pulled out every little trick I, I could think of, and unfortunately, it tasted like char. 
There's just some some things you can't get rid of, man. Like if he was at right. home, I believe you said if I was at home, I'd have dumped this out. Oh yeah, quickly. <laughs> you know, like it's just something. The sad that... part. On top of that, when I went to the steel house, at that time I didn't know what the flag vendor was. Uh, there was a bunch of different steel parts. I had no idea. I'm, I'm in the steel house looking for parts, and I'm thinking there's no parts in here left. <laughs> yeah. I was the number two guy. I went in there and I was like, there's nothing in here that I know of. All this stuff is foreign. What do I do? So it, it was a humbling experience because I found out just how little I knew when I thought I knew a lot. I thought I knew whiskey. I thought I knew how to make liquor. I got there and I was like, yeah, I can barely make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich compared to these guys. <laughs> but, you know, hey, you did your thing, man. And you know, you did your thing, bro, and hey, congratulations! You know, you made it there. You worked yeah, hard. You proud, got there, man. and you you definitely belong. You can t- tell you you belong. Whether uh, you had experience on that on you know them copper stills and all those parts, it didn't matter, man. You did your thing, and you know, making liquors, making liquors. So, congratulations! I, I tried my best. Thank you, sir, because I uh, I was nervous as all get shaking in my boots is an understatement. Oh, I bet you. You should have just got really drunk and did it hungover like Sean. Then you're you're too sick to be nervous. So. No, I was I was too nervous. To, I was too nervous to drink. That's I mean, I'm down there thinking to myself, "Oh God, what do you do?" So I was so nervous. It, it was it was sickening. So um, now the the time where you mashed in and you knew you had a little scorch in there to the. And where it mashed and it ran, did the whole time you just worried yourself to death thinking about how you can try to get that out? From the moment I smelt that scorch, I stirred that pot for the next two hours. Because I didn't want, there was, and my, my thought was, I smell a little bit of scorch. If I keep it moving, keep it agitated, then there's nothing else to burn. It's going to always stay moving. So maybe I can clean it up. After that, and I started transferring it and getting it out of there, I was thinking to myself, might be in trouble. So I just went to to survival mode and was trying my best. Uh, And then, you know, when we had to come back, every moment I got that the camera wasn't on me, I'm on my phone. How do you fix the scorched mask? How do you fix this? How do you fix this? That's what I was thinking, man. Uh, And unfortunately, everything was, you know, you need baking soda. You need to let it sit overnight. You need to do that. Everything took time. And that's the one thing that I didn't have was time. That's the one thing they don't give you is time. Like, how do I do this now? Yeah. How do I do this now? I I, I stuffed my head with the the copper mesh that I had, which wasn't enough. I got to Mm -hmm. the point I almost had to ask the other contestants for their copper. But then I thought... If I stuff with too much copper, I'm going to have vodka. Not yeah. enough copper, I'm going to have charcoal. Yeah, I have so, flavor, you know. Yeah, it, it was it was rough, but... You you know, know, I've, I've seen people use, do everything from uh, running water and throwing butter and thumper with water just to try to pull anything out of it. It can. It just, it, it just so many things people try, and I'm just like, man. I thought about the, the water but, trick, but then at the end of the day... I'm still going to concentrate it when I distill it. So yeah, 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 if yeah, it's yeah. going to be there, it's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, too, hey, you know, too much copper, you know, it can strip that flavor out. 
if you're right. going for flavor and not and not uh you know gns a neutral spirit then too much copper will can strip it out and we're talking mesh we're not right. talking like lines and things we're, you know, we're talking packing mesh in there you know it's kind of like running through plates and jars and you're just you're refluxing and refluxing you're stripping flavor out and then you know if you hand them a jar and they want flavor and there's no flavor you're kind of yeah so you know but things happen you learn a lot and you know that's what it's all about it's all about advancing yourself as a distiller and learning and getting better you know just like with anything else it. you do anything else you do that you love like you don't you know you don't make liquor for the money if you do then you know that's what you got to do but for most of us it's just something we love to do you yeah, know, love hand somebody a jar and they're like, "Oh yeah, bro, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah." yeah he, this guy likes doing that. I'm, I'm, I'm wanted to tell you that. Yeah, I, I, that guy right over here, he's that guy. Like, oh yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I love Man. the reaction after you hand it to him. That, that's that's what I strive for. Because you hand him, some people are kind of hesitant. You hand him a jar. What's the, what's that? Shut up and Not taste me. it. Not me. And. Once they taste it, that that oh, but one, one of my favorites is when somebody's like, "I don't like moonshine," and it's like, "Okay, yeah, try this," and they're like, "Oh, babe, babe, that, yeah, like this would get me in trouble," and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, dude, uh, uh, oh man, <laughs> hey, get that away I, from I, her." I've met a lot of people <laughs> like that. For it's some good. people, for good some time. reason, people around me or or maybe in my part of Kentucky think moonshine is supposed to be harsh. I'm like, you got the wrong shine if it's harsh. You know, a lot of us, um, a, a lot of people, they, a lot of people tried moonshine one time out of a buddy's trunk. He got it from a friend who got it from a friend, and that shit right. was probably Everclear or straight gasoline. And, and you know, and, and how, how long ago was that? 20, 30 years ago. And, right. or, you, you know, things have come a long way since then. And now they try it and they're just like, I didn't know that's what it was supposed to taste like. Like, you're right. It is, man. It is. That's what it's supposed to taste like. Exactly. It, it ain't gotta be. It ain't gotta be hot. You know, like a lot of the dudes, they want that clear liquor. You know, give me that clear 120 proof. Like, go ahead, man. So I, that's what I'm saying. So Kai Everclear is at moonshine, but you know, people, a lot of people pass it off as moonshine. You know, they're like, yeah. oh, I made apple. Here's apple pie moonshine. They made with Everclear, but they still call it apple pie moonshine because there's a lot yeah. of information out there. You know, and so when you hand somebody a good jar. They know the difference, even if they're not an experienced, you know, drinker, have a, a high palate. They know the difference between a shit, a shit alcohol and, and a quality alcohol. Right. Definitely. Doesn't matter what level you're on. So. Curtis, when you drink, what what's your proof level do you like to drink at? I, I'm kind of a higher guy. I, I like 100. I'm, I'll even say I like up to 130. Uh that's kind of that's just what I enjoy drinking. What you know? What what what? Where are you at in that? Do you like lower proof, a higher proof? It depends on the day I had at work. Anywhere from one hundred <laughs> to one hundred twenty. <laughs> hey, I, I will say I feel the same way, brother. I'm uh, with you there. Depends on how hard the world's kicked me that day. Depends yeah, on how. Depends on I mean, how, basically, how hard the liquor's got to be that evening. So, oh, I have some real smooth one one ten to one twenty liquor. So that's really my, my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. uh, 140, we start, you know, do I have to really work in the morning? Do I really want to go to work? In the morning? <laughs> yeah. But the, the 100 to 120 is, is my happy place. Nice. I know, I'm, I'm a bourbon guy, so I know when a lot of my bourbons, what I really find the wheelhouse, it's that 1 to 120. 
I've got a couple see, bottles. Now, today I just went out and got my first barrel. So, I, ooh, I'm waiting on that. My son better be happy I love him because if not, I'll be feeling that bad boy up this weekend. <laughs> but I went and got my first barrel today, and I'm gonna try barrel aging versus nice. staves and gallon jars. Nice. I nice. tell you, man, you're you're gonna you'll never go back. You'll be like, bro, this is where it's at. I gotta wait. I'm waiting. I gotta wait, man. Uh, you well, got I'm, a little. I'm, you get a little barrel. What yeah, size yeah, barrel? Yeah, what size? Five gallon. Nice. nice. About six months. You know, I think well, some people. See, that, that's what I've been told. Six so months to a year, uh, depending on. You know, now some yeah, I have seen some distilleries. I won't say who, but they'll put spirals inside their barrels. Really, to really to really help. It's, it's so you could take it six month to call it twelve. You know, I don't know legalities, something like that. I don't know, man. But I seen it. I picked up some barrels that I ever used, and I popped. I was like, dude, this got spirals in them. Why? And then you know, it intrigued. It piqued my interest. And I wanted to know why. Okay. So I started searching, like, look, man, you can do this and call it a, you know, uh, a different age type because it's, yeah. it was just wild, man. Like, yeah, That's some, interesting. some, That's some yeah. distilleries will use spirals or, you know, fast aging things inside their small barrels to really put that flavor in there. You know, I don't know if it, I'm sure it don't change the time on it, but it definitely puts more of a, a you know, a more oaky flavor into a citrus area so yeah you're gonna get yep. more of a concentrated flavor yep you know like more flavor in six months than you would if you didn't throw those in there so you could be like man this this you know 12 month bourbon tastes like a, a five year taste it and, and you know okay. it's an interest you know it, it, if it piques your interest you're gonna buy it and so yep. it makes you wonder like man how'd they get all this time flavor you know not not quite the smoothness because you know that's right. something you can't you can't you can't, you can't fake, fake the smoothness. That. You can't right. fake that smoothness. I don't care what you can't fake that, but you can rapid age, you rapid flavor and color and put a little more into it. So it's just it's I've been to quite a few distilleries and it's just so crazy how everywhere does it differently. Like I've been right. exactly some distilleries use their tails, all the cloudiness, run it through a filter and use it for their chocolate milk and sipping creams and things that aren't clear. And it's like it makes I, sense. It's all about dollars and cents, you know. And yeah, like, yeah. It, I mean, it, it, it makes it, sense. It to totally use that. makes sense. He, he said, "Oh, that's too much money to throw away," you know. And I'm like, well, "You don't run it down or rerun." He's like, "That's another run. That's time and money." No, I don't do yeah. that. I, just, I get all my money. I I filter it, and and so yeah, it, it's really it's really crazy that how every person. I would have never thought everybody. about. Ooh, excuse uh, me. I would never I, thought about using the tails for sipping cream. It's you know like I just filter it, I filter the mess out of it, make it real good, and then, boom, I put it in my chocolate milk and my banana, and it's like it's because it's all thick and it's right. got cream in it, so you never you're not worried about clarity, and and I was just, I was amazed, yeah, I was wild, man. so I'm like that's crazy to me, and it's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for the knowledge, and right, you know, in some places are like no, I'd never do that. That's all. That's all rerun. That's all rerun, and. It's just it's crazy. So something to think okay. about. So I know have, my, my next adventure is going to be a ten gallon barrel. It's going to take me a little time to work up to that, but yeah. they have some real nice ten gallon barrels that I want to experiment with. Are, are you looking for a brand new one or a used one? 
No, the one I got now is a used one. Mm-hmm. And the uh, 10 gallon I'm looking at is a used one. They have five gallon new. Well, they have every size new. Everything from yeah. five gallon to 53 gallon. It's but what I have one. now is a used one. Yeah, small ones are expensive. That's why usually you go with the. Uh, yeah. About what are they running for a used 10? Um, that's a good question because I only looked at the, the five gallon prices today. Okay. I got a five gallon today for 109. That's not bad. They averaged 160. The new one, I believe, was 209, I think it was. So, five gallon new barrel for 209. That's, I don't think that's too bad. That's not too bad at all. If you, if you come up here, I'll take you out to that uh, Indian Creek. He resells his 10 gallon used for like 120. Okay. Used once and uses them like six months to a year. Um, he, he sells his 30s for like 150 or 175. I think that's what it was last time he was there. Yeah, I got a 30. I just never filled it up yet. <laughs> and see, that that's my only thing is I only want to get it in close time. I know I'm going to use it because I don't want it to dry out on me. Mm-hmm. And I know in the next couple of days that I'm going to fill, fill that five-gallon up. Excuse me. Jeez. But then it's that whole waiting time. Oh. Yeah. So are, did you – have you water tested that five gallon yet? Make sure it doesn't. No, leak. It, it's it's still striking the seat boat in the car. Okay, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice, nice. No, I mean when I say I just picked it up, uh, I took a break at work, so it was maybe in between two thirty and four is when I picked it up. But somewhere around three o'clock is when I picked it up, and like I said, it's still sitting in the back seat, strapped in the seat belt, Hell waiting yeah. on me to take it to the garage. Uh, I ordered a steamer, so just in case. There is leaks in it. I'm going to go ahead and hit it with the steam receiver. I'm going to swell it up like that. And so I, then uh, that way. I picked up my, my buddy. Uh, he picked up one of those 10 gallons and uh-huh. and he just filled it up with water. And, it you know, it seeped out and he just kept filling it up with water. And then by the next day, it didn't seep out no more. And he just dumped the water out. Okay. Just, you know, just let it fill up and let it seep out until it stops. It'll swell right up for you. Um, okay. And and you see some people they wrap them in plastic. He you wrap them in plastic and then just keep doing that, and eventually it'll just swell up and it won't leak anymore. Um, if if you got it and it's got a substantial leak in it, instead of right. trying to, because you know a lot sometimes you people they get big vessels of water and they submerge them down and. You know, it's hard to get a big old vessel. And I was talking to my buddy about yeah. it. I was at his house. He's like, nah, man, check this out. He wrapped it in saran wrap. He filled the hole up with water. And you could see it was leaking slowly. Come out a couple hours later. It was a couple inches down. He just kept filling it up. And then by the next morning, that water was still at the top and it quit leaking. So if you're looking okay. for an easy, easy way to swell that barrel, just fill it up with water and just keep filling it up until it stops draining out. See, now I feel like I overthought the situation because I got the barrel. <laughs> then I thought about, okay, well, when I water test it, what happens if it's leaking? Then I'm thinking, just steam the crap out of it, swell the wood up, get you some beeswax. If it does leak and it doesn't seal over 24 hours, hit it with some beeswax, call it a day. Wrap it in saran wrap and just keep dumping water in it until it stops leaking. Okay. If it's like pouring out, you know, then then you, yeah, you got to submerge it because it's so dry. You get an right. old barrel and you want to swell, you got to submerge it because it's so dry. You get a newer well, see, barrel, me, 
and you just keep dumping water into it. It'll stop eventually. Just be patient. For me, I'm I'm close enough to a, a couple places that sells barrels, and I'm able to go pick up whatever I want. Nice. Versus if you guys order something, you're you know at the mercy of the picker. They yeah. just pick up a barrel to fulfill the order. Me, I can go through and stumble. They'll they'll let you into the facility, and you just go through and look at and pick exactly which one you want. And nice. I sat there for probably 20 minutes chewing the fat with the with the guy that works there. Well, what you gonna do with it? Well, I'm gonna fill it with some shine. <laughs> what are you gonna do with it? I mean, what do you mean? What are you gonna do with it? But it you don't buy a five gallon barrel for for charcoal. Well, some people use those use barrels. They age wine in them. They age honey in them. Yeah, uh, they're 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 real popular for that. The five and, and see that's that's what I want is a uh, is a maple barrel. Nice, because they had some barrels that that were aging maple in it. All thing is, they were twenty and thirty gallon barrels. <laughs> yeah. It takes a long time to come with, with 30, 20 gallons of moonshine in a 15-gallon keg. <laughs> it does. It does. So, I, I ran a whole winter once and was like, man, I got 40 gallons of liquor from a keg this winter. I got to get this out of here. <laughs> so, yeah. That was, a, that was a long, long time ago. But, yeah, so when I got to Indian Creek, he, he just stacks them on a flatbed truck out back. And he's like, go out there and choose what you want. Back your car oh, right into okay. it, throw it in there, come in here and tell me. And I'm like, cool, man. So a lot of good dudes out here, man. And it's beautiful. So but yeah, yeah. I'm gonna definitely have to come up there before it gets cold because I do not I'm a West Coast guy. I don't get yeah, cold. You 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 got a month. <laughs> you, you got, got a about month. month. Oh jeez. So, <laughs> nah, nah, we're we're pretty good till about mid November, but um we're all gonna all right. be in ba- we're all going to be in Bainbridge. Well, maybe not for you, Uncle Joey. I'm big. I got high blood pressure. So I, I run a little warmer than you. So um, I'm a lot bigger than you, Uncle Joey. Um, I get you. I get you. But uh, but so um, was it October 23rd? We're going to October be in Bainbridge, 20, Ohio. I think it's 20th, 21st, and 22nd, maybe. Yeah. And, and that, that whatever, second to last week in October, um, we're going to be in Bainbridge at Paps Distillery. They're having a big festival down there, so I'm stopping in to say what's up. I know okay. uh, American Whiskey, uh, Uncle Joey, Big Sturge, Dylan, they're going to be down there setting up doing podcasts. So if you ain't got nothing to do that weekend, Curtis, man, we'd love to see you down there. And uh, that, like I said, that, that's, that's doable because I'll just be coming back from California then. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. bring a parka because it's going to be a lot different than California. Yeah, <laughs> it shouldn't be that bad, you know. You just never know it here in Ohio, though. You say, it's, hold on, how long have you lived in that area, Mister? It shouldn't be uh, that bad. A uh, whole life, man. <laughs> right. Kentucky's cold is too cold for me. So what does that tell hey, you? Hey, as long as there ain't snow on the ground, I'm good. So, okay, but not. Nah, It'll be all right. We don't get that cold. It's nice during the day. This is our time of year, September, October. Yeah. Uh, up up to around uh, Halloween. Then come Halloween, man, you don't know. It could be hot. It could be 100 degrees. It could snow. It just never snow. knows it here. It so absolutely snow. Hall- yeah. Halloween's a cutoff day. Up until then, it's usually pretty decent. So we look yeah, at all, right. all fair and love war till Halloween breaks out. That's yes, right. Sir. That's right. And then okay. you just don't know. But I don't, I don't put on. I, I wear shorts until there's snow on the ground. I don't. I don't. Me play too. Around, so. Me too. Even then, I'm like, eh, it's just gonna melt in a week. It'll be. I'll be all right. Well, but, I wear flip flops year round. So I mean, what can I say? My man, you sound like Phil. Phil wears uh, Crocs. So 
Can't do the crotch yet, but I'll I'll do the flip flops. I'll I'll do the uh, toe thongs. They're they're too slippery on me, man. I stepped in water on water once. I about died. I retired them. I went back. If I just find a pair of fourteen or fifteen Crocs, I might do it. But you can't find. I can't find any bigger than (laughs) thirteen. Yeah. So I'm not gonna have my heel hanging on the back of it. You got to cut the toes out. Somebody somebody makes the big man's croc. Okay, yeah. Now, that's that's a thought. Caveman Crocs, cut the toe out. Croc, if you're listening, get with Curtis. Sponsor him on a size 15 Croc. Call it the Shiner Croc. Boom, boom, there you go. Or just cut the toe out and call him Caveman. That's right, right, Caveman. (laughs) That's it. Cut cut the toe out and I'll rock him in uh, in sport mode all the time. I stubbed Hell my toes. Yeah. I stubbed my toes enough already. I could see if they was hanging over the front of my shoes. Oh, you don't want to see my toes, brother. <laughs> I'm That's good, why I'm they're good. called cavemen. When my toes hang out, <laughs> it's an ugly situation. All right, we, we're gonna end it there, man. This is let's turn a little sideways. But Curtis, man, I really appreciate you, you know, speaking and uh, giving us your time and talking about your experience on Master Stiller. Two shows, man. Y'all go check them out. World War of Whiskey. Really good episode, and then the um, that was it Digger versus, versus, uh, versus, versus legal. legals. It's been a while. I'm struggling over <laughs> here. I appreciate you. I ain't got Sean to keep me in line. He bailed on us tonight. His tummy's hurt. So everybody, everybody, send Sean your thoughts. Oh, um, I will say before we go, you know, unfortunately, we lost another Shiner. Um, this, real soon, Shiner Sam. You know, we uh, you know. We appreciate everything you did for the community. Um, if you knew him, you know you were you were pleasured. If you didn't, you know he's family regardless. Bottoms up, Shiner Sam. We love Shiner you, Shiner Sam. We love all y'all, man. We appreciate y'all listening. Check us out YouTube, Spotify. Um, find us anywhere. Go check out America and Whiskey. That podcast is badass. Um, their favorite episode is the one I was on. And that's, that's how it is. So, that might have been Uncle Joey's favorite episode. He don't remember much of it, but he can go back and watch it. So, nah, I remember yeah. it, man. I had a good time, man. I, <laughs> I had a great hey, time. And, and, and I will say, Curtis, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, big it's been a pleasure being here, John. Having me on. So, hey, Curtis, I know American Whiskey would love to have you on their podcast. Link up we with would. Uh, Uncle Joey, and you can go sit on there and shoot the shit with him and Big Sturge. It's a good time. So. Sounds like a plan. Uh, Just let me know. We can make it happen. All right. He left, came back. That was quick. (laughs) All right. Oh, Curtis moved up a slot. My man. Right next to Big Easy. So, all right, man. We love all y'all. If y'all want to shoot the shit, stick around. You ain't got to leave right after I end this. So, everybody have a good night. Everybody shine on. Take it easy, sir.